De la patrulla de Minos de California. Weather headlines for today, yes. Welcome to the Revenue Generator Podcast, an I Hear Everything production. In this podcast, you'll hear how industry leaders integrate sales, marketing, product, and customer success into a single business unit with a common goal of optimizing their revenue cycle. We'll unearth how innovators integrate data, technology, people, and processes to expedite demand generation and increase recurring revenue. Sit back, tune in, and get ready to meet a member of the Revenue Generation. Here's the host of the Revenue Generator podcast, the CMO of Lean Data, Doug Bell. Welcome to the Revenue Generator podcast, where we members of the Revenue Generation share solutions for how you can integrate your business to optimize revenue. I'm your host, Doug Bell, and today we're going to be talking about the way forward for B2B SaaS product-led growth strategies. Joining us is Mona Akmal, who is the CEO and co-founder at Falcon, which is an AI growth platform that helps go-to-market teams win more deals more efficiently to drive more revenue. And yesterday, Mona and I talked about B2B product-led growth. And today, we're going to talk about marketing influence and attribution. Okay, here's my conversation with Mona Akmai, the CEO and co-founder at Falcon. Mona, welcome back to the podcast. Thank you so much, Doug. It's good to be here. You know, attribution may be the slippery slope in the history of slippery slopes, right? And I have to admit, I spent a little bit of time yesterday, a little bit of time, hour and a half, talking to a Y Combinator startup who's looking to tackle this. And the first thing I wanted to say was, don't do it, don't do it. But I have to say, part of my thought there was it's just such a hard problem to tackle, which is surprising. At the end of the day, we have the data, we have the experience, we know what we're doing out there. So tell me, why from your perspective is attribution so important to B2B SaaS organizations? Yeah, so, you know, first I want to change the word from attribution to impact or influence, because I think to your point, we have 20 years of trauma associated with the word attribution. That word has been weaponized and is, I think, the most succinct summary of the cat and dog relationship between marketing and sales. And one of the reasons why I started Falcon was because I think that's nonsense marketing and sales, not marketing or sales. That's how companies win, right? So to me, really what we are looking to solve or what the go-to-market teams in B2B SaaS companies should be solving for is across all the activities from sales to sales development to marketing to customer success, even to product usage, what are the activities that are actually helping our prospects assess whether we are a good solution for the problems they are trying to solve and ultimately leading to them becoming happy customers of our solution. That's the problem we're trying to solve. And why are we trying to solve it? Because if we don't know what activities are actually attracting the right prospects and converting them to become customers, how can we possibly replicate success? We cannot. In order to replicate something, you have to understand it. And unfortunately, I think where attribution has been as an industry is marketing needing to prove to itself that it deserves a seat at the table with sales, which is the big dog in the room. Because, and you know, this is also not to make this a gender thing, but typically sales leaders are men and marketing leaders are women. And sales leaders bring in the revenue. So they are the breadwinners and marketing leaders are saying, 
I'm a stay-at-home mom. I deserve some credit as well because look, the household wouldn't work if if I didn't exist. And that's absolute bullshit. I don't believe it. Anyway, so that's why I think this is an important topic to get into. Well, I can see Mona here, folks. You can't see her, but I can tell you she almost came out of her chair talking about this conflict, right? Between sales and marketing. And at the end of the day, you know, this is probably one of the oldest conflicts from the first point that somebody set up a cart in Mesopotamia and said, gourds, I'm selling gourds, right? <laughs> and then somebody came along and said, but we should put a sign out front. By the way, folks, that's product, that's sales, that's marketing all together in Mesopotamia. So I think you've really nailed it here, Mona. I will tell you that at the end of the day, it is the eyes and ears of the C-suite and their ability to understand where to invest and where not to. So we understand why companies are the moths that keep kind of bumping up against this product organizations keep bumping up against it. And just from the little bit I know about Falcon, my guess here is that you guys are going to go around. I'm going to take a guess. Tell me if I'm wrong, but you're going to sort of flank the whole big challenge that comes forward in attribution. I'm going to say there's two, actually. The first is who gets what, why? In other words, what's the formula? Is it first touch? Is it last touch? Is it multi-touch attribution, right? And the second is data hygiene, right? So we can have the most perfect model customized for just that organization, their customers, their go-to-market motions. You've got the perfect model and the data doesn't exist, right? So my sense is you guys probably figured a way to work around that. So tell me about how you guys are going to solve for this problem. I'm going to guess it's somewhere in those data sets. Is that right? Yeah, so I think that a few things there, right? One is, I believe that if you have a drop down in your attribution that changes the answers of what the key activities that drive pipeline and revenue are, and you can do first touch and it gives you one answer and you do last touch and gives you a different answer. As a CEO, that does not inspire confidence at all because it goes to your point. What am I trying to do at the end of the day? I'm trying to make a simple decision if I have a thousand dollars, am I giving 500 to marketing for events or am I giving 500 to sales for hiring three BDRs or am I giving it to the sales team to do outbound prospecting themselves? Because what I care about at the end of the day is high quality pipeline and eventually high quality revenue, right? And so to me, this sort of, I will sort of tie this back to this is not about credit. This is about knowing where to spend your dollars effectively to generate results for the business, right? One idea I do actually have around this is attribution should never live within marketing or sales at all. It should actually either live under the CEO directly or the COO or the CFO, a neutral third party that is Switzerland. Now coming to the, the two issues that you mentioned. One, I believe that attribution models and how much each activity should be assigned credit should be dependent on the historical track record of that activity and its correlation with success and failure. So for instance, if I told you, Doug, log every day when you work out, every day when you work out, let's say 50 days you're going to work out and 50 days you're not going to work out. 50 days you're going to sleep well and 50 days you're not going to sleep well. And I want you to log for me how you feel on the days where you work out and you sleep well versus the days you don't work out and you don't sleep well. How much work you get done, your to-do list every day. If at the end of that, you came back to me and said, 90% of the days when I work out and sleep well, I get through 90% of my checklist. Yet, 90% of the days when I don't work out and I don't sleep well, I only get through 20% of my checklist. We have established that 
sleeping well and working out has a strong positive correlation with success, which is getting through your checklist. That is Falcon's attribution model, which is we look at every channel, every activity's track record of success and assign credit that way. It takes away control from marketers, which they hate, because if you can first touch it, last touch it, multi-touch it yourself, you can tell any fucking story you want with the data, right? We're saying we are the Switzerland. It's a machine learning model. You can't actually bias it because it's looking at your own data. If 80% of the time a customer attends a webinar and then they convert, webinars have a high correlation with success. Therefore, they should get more credit. So that's one way that we think about breaking the tie. The second problem which you mentioned about data, I think that's an excuse people use. My question back to them is great. So if your data is imperfect, let's delete all of it. Are you okay with that? <gasps> no, we're not okay with that. We can't delete the data. Okay, great. So are we saying imperfect data is still better than no data? Yes, it is. Because if I took away all the data, I get it. You can't track social. Everyone's talking about the dark social, the dark social, the dark social. My question is, you're not even using data from your campaigns that you're running in LinkedIn properly. You have not earned the right to talk about dark social. That is an excuse for someone that does not want to understand what their data is trying to tell them. So, and this is a general problem in business users interaction with data. They believe that perfect is the prerequisite to using data. And my position as a pragmatist is, Either be intellectually honest and then delete all your data because guess what? There is no such thing as perfect data or accept and acknowledge the fact that imperfect and incomplete data is still a better alternative than complete data. And let's move forward. And that's how we try to solve for that problem is let's get the ROI on the data you already have so you can make good decisions, at least for the 70% of areas where you have visibility. Talk to me a little bit about, I'm going to wrap things up here, Mona, by asking you yet another unfair question. Talk to me about the impact of intent data on two areas. One, sales and marketing's understanding of when there actually is demand. And two, is it starting to influence the way that you're looking at your attribution modeling? Great question. So here's the, the dirty facts about intent data that no one wants to talk about. Intent data is right now worse than a coin flip. Their match rates are below 10%. So if you throw a thousand accounts into any intent data platform, you get matches for, if, if you did a thousand accounts, you would get a hundred accounts where it is giving you a result. And the accuracy that, read the fine print, the accuracy that they promise is 20%. 50% is a coin flip. It is literally better to flip a coin than it is to use intent data. And last point I'll make on this is, to me, intent data is like horoscopes. People love using horoscopes because it helps them create this false sense of security in an uncertain environment. Doesn't mean it's the truth or you should be paying for it. Sorry, and final point, I'm very happy to see all the privacy lockdowns that are happening in all the various platforms because all the trolling systems that collect intent data are seriously coming into question and they should, because we should not be spying on people in order to figure out how to sell to them. So that's my position on intent data, and we will never use it. So a uh, couple of things for folks listening in. We just talked about 20 years of trauma, 
cats and dogs. <laughs> By the way, Mona, you owe four dollars to the swear jar in my household, just so you know. So it's yeah, it goes up. It's going to be exponential later on. Oh, no. When you come back tomorrow, you're going to owe us $20,000. But again, as usual, learned a ton here, Mona. Thanks for spending some time with us today. Thank you so much, Doug. Okay, that wraps up this episode of the Revenue Generator Podcast. Thanks to Mona Akmal, CEO and co-founder at Falcon, for joining us in part three of this interview, which we'll publish tomorrow. Mona and I are going to dig in and talk about using revenue intelligence to increase sales efficiency. Just one link on our show notes I want to tell you about. If you didn't have a chance to take notes while listening to this podcast, head over to RevGenPod.com, where we have summaries of all of our episodes and contact information for our guests. You can subscribe to our weekly newsletter, apply to be a speaker on the Revenue Generator podcast, or you can even share your revenue generation questions, which we'll answer live in the show. Of course, you can always reach out on social media. Our handle is at RevGenPod on LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, or you can contact me directly. My handle is MarketAdvocate. If you haven't subscribed yet and want a daily stream of RevGen strategies in your podcast feed, we'll publish an episode every day during the work week. So hit that subscribe button in your podcast app and we'll be back in your feed in the next business day. Okay, that's all for today. But until next time, keep cranking because the revenue isn't going to generate itself. 